Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the newest edition of the House of Chain podcast, episode 17 for Saturday, October the 8th, 2022. I'm, of course, your host, Chayden. Now, we have a lot to talk about this week. As I've said, the next couple of weeks are going to be busy. We've got more movie reviews. Luckily, one that's, well, we got one that's over two hours. Some 4K reviews, something I don't normally do on here that often. Some 4K news regarding Scream Factory and their upcoming December lineup. And, of course, some of the news and TV reviews for episode one of Chucky of season two and episode one and two of the season premiere of Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire. I was able to watch both episodes because episode two premiered early if you are an AMC Plus subscriber. And the reaction you will hear is probably not what you expect. But with all that being said, we are going to get into the box office report and a side note because this ties into the box office report, so I'm going to say it here. So for the weekend of... September 30th to October 2nd. Number one at the box office, to be honest, was no surprise. Smile. I talked about that movie last week. I very much enjoyed it. I actually went to go see it again that Sunday. The Sunday of its release. Uh, took a date. So it was very nice. But um, that movie made $22 million uh, domestically. Uh, number two, which was last week's number one, Don't Worry Darling. Made six million, so a, a very big drop from the number one spot to the number two spot. Number three, which was last week's number two, The Woman King, also six million. Uh, ba- ba- they barely, I don't worry, Darling made six point eight four seven, and Woman King made six point eight two five. So, so a tight race right there. Number four was Avatar. It moved up a little bit. It was number five. or Actually, no, it did go down. It was number three last week. Uh, and now it's number four. It made five million. Now, number five, which is the other big release this week, was Bros. Now, I did a double feature on Sunday. I went to go see Smile again with a date because that was our first time seeing the movie. And we went to go see Bros because I had seen it and I just thought, okay, let's see about seeing it, right? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun, fun time at the movies. However, and for those of you who do not know, Bros is a basically the first movie was an all LGBTQ plus cast, right? And. I said that, like, as someone who works in the movie theaters, there was a very small minority of people to, to go see this movie. This was going to be a hard movie to promote, even as someone from the audience, you know, someone, someone at a movie theater, right? To explain it to people. Because sometimes you'll get those ugly people, especially someone from being from Texas. You know, we, we, we have a lot of, um, let's just say, ignorant people regarding... LGBTQ and all that stuff regarding their opinions on it. Not saying that they're 
ignorant in the community. I'm talking about the people outside the community who probably are secretly homophobe, yada, yada, yada. So anyway, so I, I expected this movie to not do as well as, let's say, A Smile. Now, the director, actor of this film, the lead of this film, and this is where the segue comes in, Billy Eichner, who I was familiar with from American Horror Story. Came if it was, I don't know if it was in Roanoke, but I haven't seen all of Roanoke yet. I still need to watch it. It's like the only season I haven't watched fully. But he was in Cult. That was my first introduction to him. And I quite enjoyed him in Cult. He's been mostly in every other season. And also we'll be talking about American Horror Story in a little bit. But uh, Billy Eigner, he's the director and star of this movie. Well, he decided to basically get mad over the fact that the movie bombed, basically. So this comes to us from Deadline. Billy Eichner is on the defense after the underwhelming results of Bros at the box office. The actor is clapping back at Twitter trolls that are using the performance of the romantic comedy at the theaters to attack the quality of his work. Box office, as we all know, has absolutely nothing to do with the quality of the movie. That is true. Tweeting about a movie you haven't actually seen is meaningless. That's just Twitter bullshit. The majority of people who see bros really love it, go check it out and see it for yourself, he tweeted. And in a second tweet, he said to promise to continue to tweeting about bros every day for the next year, just despite all the haters. All right, let's continue onward. All right. Let's see. Eichner's tweet comes a day after he had to uh, take into Twitter to share that he went to a screening of a movie to uh, gauge public interest and was happy to see the reaction. Now, uh, let's, let's go refer to the tweet he made regarding... Okay, let's see. Trying to see right now because we gotta we got to um, get to the exact context of his tweet that got him into hot wa water. If I could find it, see this is the problem. Sometimes of getting notes, sometimes they lead you into one area, and you think, "Oh, okay, cool. This is going to be the area that you um, that you're going to." In regards to his. Uh, talk about it, and then five seconds later, you find out, okay, that's not it. Okay. Let us go to rant. I apologize, Chris, ladies and gentlemen. All right, there we go. Let's look. Okay. Okay, here we go. This guy is from Screen Rant. Okay. Let's see. Okay, so it has received, yeah, it's received a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it has, it has, uh, it has good, good uh, reaction so far. Okay, here it is. So he said that um, bros, if you don't like, if you don't see bros 
Or he blamed bro the failure of bros on straight men. And I want to make sure I got the exact, make sure the exact quote was correct. And also that he also made a comment about being homophobic, if you're, you're homophobic for not seeing bros. Now, just a few days ago, he mentioned the same thing about the Super Mario movie. The Mario Bros. movie, the trailer dropped. And people have been very divisive about that. I will talk about that later. But this is my problem. And, and it goes back, and, and this is not just towards Billy Eichner, this goes back to other people. Leslie Jones, many years ago, made a claim similar to this with Ghostbusters 2016. And to be to be honest, that movie sucked regardless of the cast. Uh, what was her name? Fuck, I can't remember her name. The blonde chick. Oh, she's probably one of my favorite comedians right now, but I can't remember her name. Kate McKinnon. She, um... She was the best part of that movie. I enjoyed her in that movie. So I had some positives to say about that movie. Or uh, what was another one? Okay, um, Brie Larson with uh, this or Captain Marvel saying that no straight white man sh or no white man should be able to uh, review her movie. Or re more recently, Elizabeth Banks with the Charlie's Angels reboot, which I thought was fun. Um, she's blamed it on men who don't want to see a female-led movie, even though there's inaccuracies to that, regarding other movies like Wonder Woman and a few others. But, um, this is my problem when a box office fails or critical response fails. Like, you're alienating eight potential people from going to see your movie. So... You're basically, according to Billy Eichner, you're forced to go see a movie. Otherwise, he will look at you as a homophobe. Or he blames heterosexual men that are going that are not going to see this or support in a movie. Well, as someone who went into saw this movie in the theater, as someone who is a heterosexual, someone also who is who watches or who works at a movie theater to see the audience that we get. <clears throat> there wasn't a very big majority of people going to see bros anyways. Um, it was just, it was more like smile was the more appealing movie. And that's with a actress who is not really a well-known name, the daughter of Kevin Bacon. Also, here's the other thing that, that hurt bros, is that there was no star power in this movie. Now, I believe that star power, like, like big names, don't draw as much as they used to anymore, but it still helps. I'm very curious to see what Amsterdam does. I'm going to try to see it on Sunday, and I'll give my thoughts about it next week. But <clears throat> regarding bros, there was no star power in this movie, so that's another thing that hurt it. Billy Eichner, as even though I liked him in the scenes I've seen him, he's not someone that everybody knows, you know. And the rest of the cast are nobody. And and again, there was not a lot of LGBTQ people coming to our theater to go and see this movie. There was only a handful that would go and see this movie. Everybody that was coming to the theater was going to see Smile. Now, granted, that is only one one um, look on it from the movie theater point of view. There's other the there's plenty of other theaters here in San Antonio that it may have been different. But since where I were what at my theater, we are in a very tourist heavy place where we get a lot of people coming in. 
I feel like that's what we have. We can have a, a higher stake in the traction of people that come and go. And there was just not that many people coming to see bros. And that was a fact. Whether it was LGBT or heterosexual individuals. So, to be quite honest, like, so going, going from that, that point of view, going from the, what you would call a um, mathematical and, and stats point of view in regards to discussing that, to Billy Eigner, what he said, I honestly think he could go fuck himself. Because alienating your audience is not the way to go just because your movie bombed. And you made a great film. Again, what I'm saying to you right now is that doesn't take away from the fact that you made a great film. So you alienating your audience just because this movie didn't perform well. Big Wolf, every movie doesn't like not every movie is going to perform well. Doesn't matter if it's this, that, or the third. Terrifier 2 came is coming out this weekend. I don't expect it to do even half as well as Bros. And I'll be talking about that movie later on. But that movie, I really want to do well because of the possibility of sequels. Because I love that franchise. I will use Damien Leone as an example, though. I don't think if the box office, let's say Terrifier 2 makes under a million. I don't think he is going to go, go on Twitter and bitch about it. And, and say something that you ain't this, you ain't that, you ain't a true horror fan or a slasher fan or whatever if you don't see this film. I don't see him doing this because, and, and it's a very, very loose comparison, but Terrifier 2 is another very hard film to, to promote or describe because there is very graphic kills in the movie. Like, even in the first one, I've talked about the first one where, there are fuck, there's a lot of fucked up things in this movie. So it's a very hard film. And I'll, and I'll talk about my theater experience about it as well in a little bit but near the end of the show. But it's a very, again, it's not your typical slasher movie. You can't, you like, it's not like a Friday 13th where you're going to get some gory kills, but you're, you, they're, they're still somewhat tame to, in comparison, right? Or even, okay, a Blonde. Blonde, I'll use that as another example, because that had a theatrical run. Did hear the director bitch and moan that the movie didn't do as well, because that's a fucking hard film to watch besides it being a long film. So you are a, I'm talking, I'm referring to Billy, you are a fucking moron for alienating people. I, even though I enjoyed your film, I thought it was a great film, I thought it was a funny, funny ass film, I regret seeing it because of the fact that you're basically telling people what they are, whether or not they are or, or they're not. It just, it, it doesn't, and you're alienating people who may have wanted to go see the movie, who may maybe want to take a date and go see the movie, but they, but they don't like that the director is basically calling you homophobic if you don't see this movie. Or you're saying to straight men, like, okay, get a statistics, get a, get a, get a chart. Get a chart and see how many, like, heterosexual men went to go see it, or even heterosexual women, and how many LGBTQ people. Because I don't even believe that, like, again, 
I don't believe that we that the majority of the LGBTQ came out to support your film. We've got a there's an area in San Antonio that is very LGBTQ friendly. It has the rainbows. It's it's called it's the same area strip, right? A lot of different things in that area. It's actually a very nice area, to be quite honest with you. And I go, I will go over in that area from time to time. There's some bars I like to go to and all that. But again, it doesn't mean I am going to go find men or whatever. I'm going just because it's a very nice area. I like the, the architecture. I like sometimes the, the, the booze are cheap. I always love cheap booze, don't you? So, and there's a lot of people that, f- f- like, uh, flock that area that are a part of the LGBTQ plus community. I can guarantee you, and this was like Friday and Saturday. So these are the, like, opening, like, the, the full-on days that this movie was out. None of those people came to see that movie, this movie, probably a small percentage of it. So it's not just straight men or whatever that you want to say in your dumbass of a brain to defend why your movie bombed. Your movie bombed. There's no excuse. This is a hard movie to promote because unfortunately we still live in a society that has those types of people who, if you say something about it, they may bitch or they may say, I'm not going to go see two men kissing, yada, yada, yada. That is a fact. We still we are still in that era, that era, if you will. If you if you wanted to be more specific, you could say because of homophobes. To be honest, that's still a, with the statistics I pointed out earlier regarding my own experience at the movies. The same point is still is that like regarding that. Even if you say that because the LGBTQ didn't come out to support this movie as much as. You may have wanted. That's something you would have to look into, to be quite frank with you. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that you are a fucking moron for alienating anybody who may have wanted to go see your movie. And support it, possibly get it back. Because let's be honest, there's not too much, like Amsterdam is the biggest competition we got this week, weekend. Uh, I think La La Crocodile, but I don't see a lot of people seeing that. Who knows? I may be wrong. But you've like besides Amsterdam, which has an all star cast, but again, it's a con- it's a story that may not be a blockbuster to people that mass people are going to go check out. So the point I'm the point I'm trying to make is that don't to anybody who is making film out there who are who you're going to expect failure. You know you are going to. Uh, uh, I have a personal story I can actually describe. I'm not going to go into too many details, maybe, and all that. But there was a movie uh, locally here in San Antonio that was basically made. It was it was all that, you know. It was all ready to go. They had marketing. They went to malls. They promoted an independent film here in San Antonio. And that film may never see the light of day. And I was interested in seeing it. It was a few friends of mine making making a film. And unfortunately, due to some budgetary reasons and uh, reshoots not making sense due to some people getting older since the time they shot, it it never came out and it probably never will come out. You're going to expect setbacks in your career. 
And that goes to anybody, actually, not just in the. And instead of blaming it, you look at this and say, okay, what could I have done to promote this better? Because again, the reviews were excellent. I quite enjoyed the movie. So the point is, is that the reviews and all that are not like, and again, glowing reviews, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. The reviews were excellent. Look at everything else and see what went wrong. Was the marketing not as good? Because Smile's marketing was fucking great. Like, I would have been shocked if Smile didn't win because their marketing, they did a very good job with their marketing. So, again, figure out what, what went wrong. What can you do to make things better later on? But honestly, again, I, it's going to take me as a fan, movie fan, to want to go see another one of that of Billy's movies just because of those comments because I don't want to watch somebody who, if he doesn't get his way, he's going to alienate people and say that, not blame, blame, say you're the problem, not me or not anything that happened with the film. So final remark, fuck you, Billy Eichner, and that's really it. So that's the box office report and your, uh, I guess your uh, little rant for the evening. But uh, we're going to take a quick moment to hear from our sponsors, and we will be right back. We're going to get into one of the reviews real quick. We're going to get into Daredevil. His return to the MCU after Spider-Man No Way Home, and it was in She-Hulk. I have not liked She-Hulk. The first episode was great, but after I went downhill. But this episode, I'm not going to go, I'm try, I'll try not to go too much into spoilers, but, this, but I, I'm not going to watch the season finale next week because this looks like it's a one-off for Daredevil because I, I, don't, I don't give a shit about this, about this show. Honestly, even before the show came out, I was mainly interested in seeing Daredevil. And I got what I wanted. I had to sit through, what was it, seven episodes of, or one good episode, six episodes of shit? Uh-uh. Like, I just, I just don't, uh, don't know regarding this. Uh, it's, it's fucking... This show is unnecessary, I'm sorry. It's a poor man's Daredevil, or Deadpool, excuse me. But Charlie Cox was great. He's not the same Charlie Cox that you've seen in, in EMC or in the Netflix series. And his costume has been modified, which I, I will have to take some getting used to. Basically, the same costume from the seasons two and three, but it's modified. has like yellow and red. So it is going to take some time to get used to it. But uh, nonetheless, I do like this iteration of Daredevil. And Charlie Cox was always great. So since I'm going to be discussing also, since I'm discussing thoughts on TV shows, I might as well talk about... The other TV shows I watched this week, which was, well, let's we'll, we'll save the the best for last. Chucky season two, episode one, Halloween two. That's what it was called. This was a decent premiere. I would not say it was the it was a great premiere, but it was a decent one. I thought the CGI on certain times with the dolls, especially in the opening scene, was. Um, very questionable, and I don't like the trope where the show ends on a cliffhanger, like a season cliffhanger, and then they pick up right after it, and they basically resolve the cliffhanger. 
That's just something I didn't really care for. Other than that, I enjoy it. There were some continuity issues and some logic issues, but nonetheless, uh, where we are talking about a show with multiple killer dolls, so what can you do? But I'm very, I'm very curious because, of course, we have not seen Gwen or Gwenda yet. We will, though. And, of course, we have not seen the great Jeff Tilly in non-doll form yet. Or Fiona Dorf, so, yeah. Uh, but, again, check it out on Sci-Fi in USA. Every, I, I will be, I had to watch it because I worked the day, the night I premiered. But I will be uh, talking about it on, um, I'll be watching next week's episode live. And I'll, of course, uh, give my thoughts. I may start doing a TikTok if I can watch it. When it comes out, I may give uh, some a discussion on my TikTok, possibly. I don't know yet. I'm trying to get more engaging, not just doing my reviews or some of my goofy stuff I do on, on TikTok. But um, we'll see. And then finally, I did talk about this on TikTok. I did go in depth on this. Interview with the Vampire. Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire. We'll be talking about another Anne Rice property, getting, uh, getting some uh, love in a little bit. But... Episode 1 premiered last Sunday, and Episode 2 was available early if you had AMC+, Plus, which I will be talking about both episodes. And for those of you who've been, who've been following this show for a little bit, I'm referring to The House of Chayton, you, you all know that I've been very skeptical of this show. I have been hesitant on, on it because of certain changes they made. Timelines, you know, races, because Louis was a plantation owner in the book and the movie. But after seeing the first two episodes, I will say that this show is fucking amazing. It got greenlit for a second season last week, so that's good. And this show blew me away. I think Sam Reed is doing an excellent job as Lestat. I cannot recall the actor's name who plays Louis, but I've very much enjoyed his arc in this in the first two episodes. The, the show is actually pretty bloody as well. And the romantic levels, be, or the romantic nature of Lestat and Louis' relationship are intensified to go with more of the books than, of course, the film with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. So, and then, of course, the story has been altered just slightly in some cases. But I enjoyed the chemistry between Louis and Lestat. I was, even Louis' family in the show and his businesses. And the interviewer, I've been enjoying that. The interview, uh, the interviewer, and... I'm not going to go too deep into spoils for either episodes, but there are callbacks to even the movie and, of course, the book itself, because it does take place in present day. So I really implore all of you. It's funny because we've been talking about the whole Billy Eichner situation. I was talking about bros and then. Uh, there's been a lot of LGBTQ plus representation in some way, shape, or form this week. Basically from last weekend to this week. With Interview the Vampire, Chucky Season 2, uh, even Hellraiser, which I'll get into later on. 
with um, bros, of course. We are in a we're like uh, imagine like this happening twenty years ago. People would lose their shit more so than nowadays, and it's it's great that we're in that period. We're still not there to full, you know, capabilities, but we're getting there. But I really recommend you checking out Every the Vampire. Have an open mind. You know, I, I decided to do that as well. And for a two-episode premiere, it, like, watching both episodes, I was excited. Because I, I literally, because, again, I didn't have AMC+. Plus. I just watched it live when it came on, on um, AMC. So as soon as that happened, I subscribed for a seven-day free trial just so I could watch the next episode. That's how good that show is. I, I, I couldn't wait for next week. So there will be no review next this week unless I'm able, unless they do this every week where the next episode will be available early on AMC Plus. If it is, and I will talk about it next week. So my reviews may be out of order, but they'll be early. But I won't. But if they're early, I will probably not talk about sports, but I'm going to try to do episode by episode. Same with Chucky. That's. Basically, right now, I will talk about the Midnight... I believe it's called the Midnight Club. I'll be talking about that uh, in a couple of weeks. Once I can binge it and finish it, yada, yada, yada. But yeah, all three shows, but especially... Like, like She-Hulk, avoid, except for the episode eight. Chucky, okay start. Kind of disappointing compared to the the last, last um, season. You know, it... I'm not as ex- like excited for the next episode as I would like as I am for Every the Vampire. Every the Vampire would be the TV show of the week if I if I was doing like two separate things. That would be the TV show of the week to go check out. That's say subscribe for the free trial just so you can watch the first two episodes. So with that being said, we will be right back. And now for some news. Velma, the new HBO series, animated series, <clears throat> that has Mindy Kaling playing the voice of Velma. They just released their first trailer for the show. It comes out in early 2023. And a lot of people are going apeshit over the announcement that Velma in this show is lesbian. Here's my take on it. I don't care. You know, I'm, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's, uh, like, as long as it fits within the story, I don't mind it. Now, the trailer looked interesting. Little callbacks to Scream and all that. But, uh, I, like, at first when I saw the images of the characters, I was not 100% sure if the, the, what's, what you call it, the animation style was going to work for me. But in motion, I think it looks pretty good. American Horror Story, New York. We got a teaser promising a season like no other. Just some more, some still sh- like some shots from the like some of the posters we've seen and all that. So nothing like too too crazy in regards to the nature of the of the movie or of the show. Excuse me. But uh, I'm I'm excited for it. It will premiere on October the 19th. And uh, the first two episodes will drop on FX and then will be available next day on Hulu. So you'll be able to see the first two episodes. So I'm excited for it. I can't wait. 
Now, let's see. We also got another trailer for Blood Relatives. Which is like a father-daughter vampire movie. It looks pretty interesting. It's kind of some comedic routes. So I know it played recently at Fantastic Fest. It's going to be on Shudder. Uh, let me actually get the release date for it. It will be coming out on November 22nd, 2022. So... I'm excited for it. It's uh, again, it played at Fantastic Fest not too long ago, so that's something to look forward to. Also, we had the uh, a trailer for Run Sweetheart Run, which basically plays the ver like a a man chasing a woman version of the most dangerous game, and I believe that comes on Prime. Yes, on October 28th. So that one's another one that I'm looking forward to. Looks like a bloody good time. And uh, trying to see if uh, I've seen the girl who plays who is the lead in this movie from something. Let me see real quick. If I can actually just copy the name. Okay, there we go. All right, let's look up, see what she's been, because I know I've seen her from something. Before we get down to the nitty gritty of the whole situation. Oh, okay. That's where I know her from. She was in, well, of course she was in Charlie's Angels from 2019, which I just talked about not that long ago, but she was also in the Resident Evil show. I think she played the grown up, um, one of the grown up characters, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see. Yeah, she played a um, grown up uh, Jade. So yeah, no wonder where I saw her and I actually thought uh, familiar with her. And we all know what I thought about that movie. So I'm looking forward to that, though, or the show, excuse me. But I'm looking forward to that movie. Now, next one. We talked about it recently, about David Harbour being Santa Claus in a Santa, in a movie called Violet and I. Well, the first trailer hit. And oh my God, it's everything I wanted. It's basically Die Hard with Santa Claus. And we all know Die Hard is a Christmas movie. So that this movie looks fucking amazing. I cannot wait for it. It will be coming out. Uh, let's let's look up the date. Looks like it's going to be bloody, which is all, which is why I'm looking forward to. It comes out on December second, so cannot wait for that. We also got a gameplay trailer for Dead Space, which looks fucking awesome. Uh, it's a remake of Dead Space uh, that will be coming out for next gen consoles only. Uh, let's see, January twenty seventh. It'll be coming to Xbox Series X. S and PS5 and PS or NPC. So now, for anybody who wants something similar, the Callisto Protocol will be coming on December 2nd. That'll be available for all systems. So you can be able to play on PS4, Xbox One, so on and so forth. So be on the lookout for that. And now, and I talked about Anne Rice's Airview the Vampire. Well, Anne Rice's Mayfair Witches teaser. We saw our first footage with Alexander Dar. We got a teaser, like a little short teaser. At the beginning of, at the beginning of, uh, what do you call it? The, um, shit, I'm trying to think of the actual phrase. Uh, the interview with the vampire premiere. But we got our first full trailer, teaser trailer for it. Which looks really good. We also got the Tell Muskins, I believe they're pronounced. Their first appearance, this is going to be their first appearance in a, in a show in 20 years. Or in a show or movie, because last time we saw them was in Air, or Queen of the Damned. So I'm looking forward to this. This looks really good. I cannot wait. And then finally, we, all, we also got a trailer for Black Black Panther Wakanda Forever. 
Got our first look at the female Black Panther, at least in the suit. We don't know who she is yet. I still think it's T'Challa's sister, but we'll find out when it comes out in November. But we also got our first look at the Mario Brothers trailer. Super Mario Brothers. By Illumination, the people who made the Despicable Me movies. I will say this. The trailer looks like the visuals look fucking amazing. And Jack Black as Bowser looks great. And he sounds great. Bowser looked intimidating, but... I still am not 100% sure of Mario and uh, Chris Pratt as Mario. Like, Mario looks great. Everybody in the movie, in the trailer, looked great in terms of animation. I think it's going to look great on 4K if it gets a 4K release. But he kind of has like a New York, Brooklyn accent. He, at least he's trying to. It's sad when the French, the French trailer sounds better and more like Mario than the fucking actual, you know, the American trailer. But I'm still going to be optimistic for the, for the movie. And it doesn't come out until next year. I think April of next year. So we shall see. So with all that, we are at the end of the movie reviews of this episode. And we will be back to talk about some movie reviews as well as, of course, the physical media report. Stay tuned. And now we're here to talk about the physical media report as well as some 4K reviews. Because I just recently acquired the 4K Steelbook of Fright Night and the 4K set of the Halloween collection, which was Halloween The Curse of Michael Myers, Halloween Resurrection, and H2O. These will not be reviews of the film. I will be discussing that next week in the Halloween series leading up to Halloween Kill or Ends. So, just FYI, I will not be going beat by beat of the movies or even talking about, like, certain plot points or anything like that. But I'll get to that near the end. So, in our batch of 4K or Blu-ray news in the Physical Media Report, The Return of Swamp Thing is coming to us from Lightyear Entertainment uh, early next year on 4K. I don't know if there is a Swamp Thing 4K, and we're talking about the original movie. I think Wes Craven did the first one. So that is, um, I'll have to look up, look that up, because I wouldn't mind picking up The Return of Swamp Thing. Big Swamp Thing fan. Pulp Fiction is coming to 4K on December the 5th from Paramount. I'm very excited about that. Also coming from Paramount, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan Season 1 and 2 is coming to us on 4K on November 1st. The original taking of Pelham one or Pelham one two three that will be coming to four K on December the twentieth. Never seen the original. I've seen the uh, one with John Travolta, I believe it was. So uh, Pearl will be coming to us from Lionsgate on November the eighth. It will also have a Walmart uh, exclusive with a slipcover. Highlander, there can only be one. Will be coming to four K on December the thirteenth. I am actually really excited for that one. I did enjoy the uh, Highlander. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles will be coming to 4K from Paramount on November 22nd. And then, fi and then coming in December, let's, let's look it up. I want to go into great detail because we do have a few announcements. 
We have War Games coming to us from Shell Factory on 4K. Trying to see if there is an actual release date. Because I believe these are all for December. Yes, December 20th. That will be the street date. Carrie will be coming to us from 4K, the original Brian De Palma classic. That will be coming to us on 4K on, let's see, the December the 13th. And that will have a brand new 4K restoration of the film from the original camera negative. Dolby Vision and all that good stuff. No Atmos track from what I gathered. As well as uh, a 4K restoration of film for the Blu-ray. And the last special feature will be a three-disc set. And then finally, the one I am probably most looking forward to. Uh, I do own this on the Blu-ray. I have the uh, Blu-ray edition of the, the Scream Factory edition of Black Christmas. That will be coming to us on 4K. And that will also be a three-disc set. Which will come with the um, brand new 4K restoration of the film. Dolby Vision. Uh, an AGR presentation of the film. And newly restored mono track. And then same with the Blu-ray. It's a 2006 critical mass. And then a lot of good special features. Still waiting for the 4K, you know, uh, what do you call it? Or even a 4K or a new Blu-ray for uh, the 06 remake. And then also we are that will be coming to us on December 13th. We are also getting a walk to remember. And Operation Seawolf, those will be coming December 13th and December 6th, respectfully, on... Uh, Blu-ray. War games I may pick up. Uh, that's not something I'm, I'm eager to get, get on d day one. But the 4K of Scream or of uh, Black Christmas and Carrie. I do not actually own Carrie on uh, Blu-ray. So that will be a good pickup for 4K. By the way, the slipcover for Pulp Fiction, to go back to that, looks fucking sick. So I cannot wait for that. And uh, let's get into some more news before we get into what is coming out this weekend. And let's see, we're getting a Coraline and Paranormal 4K Steelbooks coming to us from Shop Factory on December 13th. I just got Coraline on Blu-ray and I'm going to have to upgrade it. Train to Busan coming to 4K on November 29th. I do have the uh, Blu-ray Steelbook of that, so I may or may not pick that up. I don't know yet. And let's see, Creepshow Season 3 will be coming to us uh, from RLJE on December the 6th. And Beast coming on October the which we'll be discussing on the, um, what do you call it, on the what's coming out. So with that being said, let's get to the what is coming out this week. That's all your news. So, October the 11th. It's a, it's a pretty big week as well compared, not like, uh, probably not in the same vein as last week, but we are getting some good stuff. We're going to be getting Lost Highway coming to us on 4K from Criterion. We'll be getting Beast with Idris Elba. That'll be coming to us on Blu-ray. The Universal Classic Monsters, uh, that will be the uh, Volume 2. We're getting Mortal Kombat Legends Snowbl Snowblind. Coming to us uh, from Warner Brothers. To Kill Mockingbird is coming to us for 4K and a Blu-ray, a new Blu-ray. We're also getting a Blu-ray of Lost Highway from Criterion. We're getting the Paranormal Activity Collection, 
which will have the newest movie, Next of Kin. That will be the only way to get that set. I am... I don't know if I'll be picking it up right away, but I will be picking it up eventually because I would like to have actually, I actually got Paranormal Activity, uh, what was it, Paranormal Activity 2 in the horror pack for last month. So I will be picking up Paranormal Activity this set uh, sometime, probably next month if anything. We're getting a new version of Nosferatu coming to us from, I believe, Kino. We're getting... uh, Steelbooks of the Godfather, Part 1, 2, and the, um, what, what's it called? Uh, the uh, Death of Michael Corleone. We're getting Disturbing Behavior coming to us on Blu-ray from MVD Entertainment, which that I'm actually looking into picking up, to be quite honest with you. And then let's see. Let's see what else is there coming in to us from... We're getting uh, standard editions of Dracula, Frankenstein, The Wolfman, and The Invisible Man coming to us. We all, The only way we had them was, of course, with um, the uh, 4K Steelbooks. But we're getting standard editions of that. Again, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure coming to us from Shout Factory. And then, let's see, what's this? Yeah, so Mears, the, uh, what is it called? The Story of T- uh, Tom Savini. And that looks like to be it of all the uh, big releases. Let's actually look up next week because I'm very curious to see what is else it, we are getting for the, um, let's see, actually I'm looking at October the 11th. Still, nothing really too, too big in terms of its, um, in terms of uh, big releases, but we're going to look up. I know we are getting a specific steel book on the 18th to be the following week. Uh, we're also getting a 4K of... Mortal Kombat Legends. Looks like it's going to be a Best Buy exclusive. I don't know what it is nowadays where they're doing Best Buy exclusives of certain movies. Uh, next next week is going to be a pretty big week. We got some big releases. We got some big catalog titles. So uh, be on the lookout for next week's episode of the Physical Media Report. Now, as promised, I will be discussing my thoughts on the Fright Night 4K and the Halloween 4Ks. Now... With the Fright Night 4K, I was actually very much amazed by this set. It was probably one of my favorite, like, it is probably probably my favorite or one of my favorite 4Ks to come out this year. It has a lot of good, what do you call it? It has a lot of good special features, and the picture quality is phenomenal. The Blu-ray even has a updated version of it, of the uh, picture quality. <clears throat> and also, Dream Window plays in the main menu of the 4K, which is great. Uh, but the audio is also fantastic in this movie, especially where, when it comes to the score. So, I really, if you're a fan of this movie, this is the best way to, to uh, watch it. It is the only way, the only way to purchase it is to buy the Steelbook, which will take you back about 30 bucks. But nonetheless, it is a fantastic 4K that I really recommend for anybody who is interested, even in checking out Fright Night for the very first time. So with that being said, let's get, and I do prefer, of all, of all four 4Ks, I do prefer it over the other three that I'm going to be talking about. But those are fantastic 4Ks as well. So let's get into the Halloween box set. Of course, again, re- uh, restorations of all these movies. Halloween 6 was the one I was most looking forward to because it comes with the producer's cut and the theatrical cut in one set. 
the only way you could, besides getting that three hundred dollar box set, the only way to have these movies. That was the only way to have uh, both versions, except if you had the three hundred box set and then bought them separately. And usually it was in the street film multi pack with H two O and Resurrection. So. How did the 4Ks look? Because all both of them were made in four, were restored in 4K, the producer cut and the theatrical cut. And also, side note, these these do come in the uh, Halloween, like the the 4Ks for one through five in those um, more thick boxes, which is what I I basically use the uh, actual box set that it comes in. I use that as the uh, as like just some decorating because I want them all to line up together from one through uh, Resurrection. I hope Scream Factory is able to get. Rob Zombie's Halloween 1, 2 at one point so we can get the others in that vein. And also it has reversible cover art for each movie. So you have the original poster for each movie. If you're not a fan, I know some people don't like the artwork that Scream Factory used for these movies. I like it. I, I especially like Halloween uh, 6. That was probably my favorite of the three. But um, the restorations were fantastic. The audio was great on both versions. Lots of special features in this. Uh, it would probably be my personal favorite of the set. Uh, H2O picture quality could could give it a run for its money. My biggest issue, and I don't know if it's anybody else, but the sound, while being good, it is low at times, especially in bigger scenes. So that will knock it back down a peg for that reason. But also the uh, the picture quality and the special features are great. Uh, but I, I, I still give the nod to Halloween 6 as the best one. For fighting to, uh, for eight, for Halloween 6, I would say the theatrical cut is the best version of the transfers between that and the produced cut and overall. Resurrection actually was really good. It was lacking in special features. I would have loved that they were able to get Busta Rhymes in, in for an interview. But nonetheless, I did really enjoy this, this, um, this set. Uh, if I ranked them, now again, I'm not talking about my thoughts of the movie as a whole, but if I had to rank them in terms of 4K sets, it would be, it would, because the audio was good on Resurrection. So I would probably put Halloween 6, the theatrical cut number one, the producer's cut at number two, Resurrection number, number three, and then the uh, H2O at number four, and it was only because of the audio. But, uh, and then if, if we added Fright Night, Fright Night would be number one. To me, Fright Night is one of the best 4K transfers and one of the best 4Ks out there. Plus, the Steelbook is fucking phenomenal. So that is your, so I recommend these, but also, mind you, the Halloween box set is, uh, I don't know if it still is on Amazon, but it was 103 That's where I got it. It was 112 after tax. That's how much I paid for the box set. Uh, if you got it from Scream Factory, probably 140 to 150 So I would, this is the only way to buy these movies. Uh, Halloween's uh, kind of like with Fright Night. You can only buy in this box set, and I think that's going to be the way for a while. I don't think they're going to be able to sell these separately, which is unfortunate. Uh, but... And plus, these movies are not really, like, well, like, regard with the other movies. I love Halloween 6. I'm one of the very few, and I've, I'm not the biggest fan of H2O, so you'll get some early thoughts on the why I think of some of these movies. And in Resurrection, 
guilty pleasure. That's basically the best way I could describe it. But I'll be a more. I'll talk about more in in my uh, review of um, each movie next week. Uh, but uh, I recommend for the. I recommend the Friday Night 4K buy now. The um, Halloween 4K set again, due to the fact that these films aren't well regarded. They're great transfers. It, Scream Factor continues the line of great Halloween transfers. Uh, but again, since these are not the high regard Halloween movies, I I would recommend they wait for a sale. But uh, you like if you're looking for to complete your collection and looking for great quality and what you're getting, then I recommend it. Uh, and all that, but and if you're a completionist, but again, I recommend wait for yourself for that one. So that's your physical media report for this week. We'll be back next week with the next physical media report. But before we get into the movies, because we got a lot of movies to talk about, I will make a little announcement in just a moment. Now, last week I made an announcement that I may be taking a two-week vacation during the holidays, and that is in the December time. Basically, I would come, I would take off the week of Christmas and come back probably the following week after New Year's. And after thoughts and also discussion with people, I've decided to take that hiatus at that time. Nobody's going to have to worry about that till then, but again, just let everybody know, and I will also reiterate as time goes on, that the show will be off on hiatus for two weeks, and it will be back in the beginning of the year. Uh, so any news that drops between in those two weeks, I will discuss in that first episode. Now, the last episode of the year, I will be, I will be doing my uh, year-end awards in terms of movies mainly. Movies and TV and maybe a few updates, maybe some wrestling, I don't know. Let me all know, like, you can message me on Instagram or TikTok and let me know if you, what, what you may want me to talk about that I would be able to discuss and not have to spend weeks and weeks just looking in something that I'm familiar with and I could talk about. Because even with wrestling, there's a lot to talk about in this year in review. So, um... But uh, that will be the last episode of the year. And again, there are some movies I may not watch that came out between uh, the last episode and and then. So who knows if uh, my list may have changed anyway. But again, we'll leave it with that. Uh, but we'll be back at the beginning of the year. I will I will think about doing a a episode like a little bonus, possibly like maybe a movie review or something. Uh, I don't know yet. It just depends. But I probably like again. I'm I'm probably just gonna look at this as a vacation, not to record anything. Uh, especially this month is gonna be very hectic due to the amount of stuff that's been coming out, as you've seen the last couple episodes and next week especially. Uh, actually, I think besides after that, it's gonna be kind of chill. Uh, so. That's your little announcement regarding that. And also, I will be, hopefully, if I don't cover it next week, I will cover it by the end of the month. I will be watching The Midnight, uh, I think it's called The Midnight Club, Mike Flanagan's new show on Netflix. I will be watching that this month, and I will be, hopefully, I want to try to get it next week, but maybe not due to all the Halloween coverage I'll be doing that week. Um, but it will be done by the end of the month. So if anybody's wondering if I'm going to be talking about that, because we're going to get our Chuckies and every Vampire Thoughts every week as well, so be on the lookout for that. So with that, we will get into the movie reviews. I'll see you all in a bit. 
You know an episode's long when we are going to talk about or we are going past the one hour mark, which will make this the most the longest episode of the House of Shame podcast in history. And it's funny because we're gonna be talking about a movie that was really long in a moment. But first off, we're gonna talk about a movie that I literally just watched, and that is Werewolf by Night, which was a Marvel and Disney Plus specials, an hour long. And it's another it's another character bringing coming to life is stars Laura Donnelly, Gail Garcia Benar. And the plot synopsis is on a dark and somber night, a secret cabal of monster hunters emerge from the shadows and gather at the Bloodstone Temple following the death of their leader. The attendees are thrust into a mysterious and deadly competition for a powerful relic. Now, I will say that I'm not the most... Like certain characters I am not um, familiar with as others. This film was also directed by Michael uh, Giacchino. If I apologize, I'm mispronouncing the name. But uh, I saw this trailer and it... Reminded me of like an ode to the Universal Monsters. And it was. It was actually surprisingly bloody for a Disney Plus special. My only critique of this movie was probably that it was an hour hour long. It was, I think actually it was less than that. I think it was 55 minutes. So I was not, I wanted more from this. I love the black and white aesthetic of this, of this movie. The performances were great. The effects were really good, especially the werewolf. And I'm hoping that this is not the last we will see of this. Hell, make this a yearly event. Kind of like what they did on, uh, what was it? Uh, like the Treehouse of Horror, like for uh, Simpsons. Make this a yearly thing. I would love to see this. You know, it's the story has like kind of like a combination of the most deadliest game meets the Wolfman, basically. Which I talked about some about most deadliest game earlier. I love I love that book. I love that story. Excuse me. But uh, my big, like I said, the criticism it was too short. It's funny because I will be talking about a movie that was too long. That may have been the critique, but I will get to that in a minute. But uh, I really recommend Werewolf by Night, especially if you're a fan of those like old school universal monster horror films. And uh, if you're wanting something different, see, I talk I, I talk a lot of shit about Disney Plus and their and their MCU shows. This is the type of shit that I like. You know, this is like something different. You know, not just because of the horror aspect, but something different than your usual MCU bullshit that we've been getting over the last few years. You'll get teeny tiny difference, like like stuff that kind of goes against the grain, but you know, mostly the same, sash quo. But I recommend checking out Werewolf by Night. Uh, it is probably one of my favorite things on Disney Plus right now, so definitely go see it. Again, it's a hour long, so you're not going to lose too much. It's not going to take you so long to watch it. So I hope y'all uh, will check it out. And with that, from one good thing, we got to get a bad thing in there. Because most of the stuff I'll be talking about is great, good to great to phenomenal. But we got to get to one bad thing. And that will be the Deb V. Her movie. I did watch it. I promise y'all I did. 
basically watch these two movies back to back, and we will talk about that in just a moment. As I mentioned last week, I would be discussing Hot Take the Depp v. Her or Depp Her Trial. And here I am, talking about this movie. I don't know what to say about this. This is this is basically a parody and a dramatization of the events of the the uh, court case that happened earlier this year. Uh, again, Team Depp. I was always a member of Team Depp, even though some people weren't, but now all of a sudden they are. But, you know, I'm glad that, that people have seen the light. But uh, nonetheless... This movie is about the tumultuous relationship of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, dramatizing two-month defamation trial that concluded with jury finding Heard had defamed Depp by alluding to domestic violence allegations against him. This movie stars Sarah, or this movie is directed by Sarah Lohman, stars Mark Hopka and Megan Davis. This movie, like, it was on Tubi, right? I'm gonna, I'm excited for the Weird Al movie that's gonna be on Tubi as well, but uh, this movie was... Uh, it was a ba it was a lifetime movie, basically. That's the best way I could describe it. And it wanted to think it was Deadpool at times. It was like talking in third person during some of the flashback scenes. I feel that the I guess one pot there's two positives. I think Mark Hopka was actually not bad trying to do his best Johnny Depp impression and the appearance. And that the, they tried to, you know, keep, uh, they implemented the social media craze that was going on during the media, like on TikTok and all that other stuff. I still regret not talking about this on TikTok. Because I'm bigger than I was, than I am. By the way, uh, follow me on TikTok at the House of Chain, cheap plug. But, um, yeah, so... Those are probably my two positives. It's the movie's an hour and a half, right? It, it's it like, and again, if you know a lot about the situation, and since this shit is just that, not that long ago, this happened not like not even probably six months ago. This stuff is fucking still relevant. There's still like people still know about it. They they saw it. It was live streamed. You know, the trial. The only thing that we did see was some of the allegations and, and played in different versions, like Johnny's version, Amber's version, yada, yada, yada. But there's nothing really to see, like nothing to, if you saw the court, the, the court case, you've seen this movie, basically, with the actual people involved. I did think that Megan Davis was not good as Amber Heard, uh, whether it was her appearance or her acting like her, so yeah. The rest of the act, the essay actors did, I guess, a fine job. I guess they missed key moments in the trial, but again, this is this is more so about dramatizing it, making it more Hollywood than you know than it already was, and they had the influencers giving their opinions on this. But again, this is not a great film. This is, again, I was really nitpicking. Mark Hopka was probably the only real thing about this movie. But again, I, I, I'd say if you didn't watch the trial and wanted just an hour and a half summary that wasn't somebody talking about it, I'd say watch this movie. Or if you're with a bunch of buddies and want to just get drunk while watching it, I'd say that too. But this is this is a horrible movie, and this movie, even if it was, even if you know, there was enough time 
for this movie to be, you know, to actually, you know, give it time to breathe so they could possibly make a movie. So, this is probably the only movie I really won't recommend to people out of all the movies I'll be talking about. So, yeah. So, with that, we are going to get into the next review, the second to last review for today, and that will be Hellraiser on Hulu. Until then, I'll see you all in a bit. So as some of you may or may not know, I am not the biggest fan of the Hellraiser series. I think the first two are fantastic horror films. Third one, okay, it's it, that's when it was starting to go downhill. But after that, it went it went downhill. Now, besides Bloodlines, this is all this is also the second Hellraiser movie not to have Doug Bradley as Pinhead. They actually got a woman as the Hell Priestess, which. Again, based on the novel and all that, you know, I'm not against this because there, with her being like this in the movie or in the uh, in the novel, I'm not opposed to this. And so, with Hulu re resurrecting dead franchises, first with Predator with Prey, and now with this movie, because this movie is fucking awesome. I don't know if it is the best. Like some people are saying, it's the best Hellraiser movie since the original, or even better. It is the best Hellraiser movie since the original. And the Cenobites are in basically full display in this movie. And I'll get more in-depth with that, not a spoiler, of course, in just a moment. But uh, this movie is directed by David Bruckner, who directed one of my favorite films last year, which was The Night House with Rebecca Hall. It stars Odessa... Aizan, I apologize for mispronouncing your name. Jamie Clayton as the new Hell Priestess. And Adam Faison. Uh, a take on Clyde Barker's 1987 horror classic where a young woman struggling with addiction comes into possession of an ancient puzzle box, unaware that its purpose is to summon the Cenobites. Now, Jamie Clayton was excellent as the new Hell Priestess. I loved her portrayal. I loved the design, and I like I loved the the look of the movie as a whole, especially like in the third act. And the Cenobites were in full display. You got to see all the chatter, all that chatter bite, you know, all that good stuff. And the practice, and it wasn't as bloody as I was expecting, but but the third act really made up for the time that I thought, okay, this movie's not as bloody as everybody says. Third act made. Third act made up for it, especially like the last fifteen minutes. The uh, it looked like there was a lot of practical effects using the gore and all that, and probably at times with the chains. You know, what I'm talking about if you've seen the Hellraiser movies about the chains. But I love the the transitions, you know, from one area to another and all that stuff. And I liked the cast, I especially Odessa. I liked her character in this movie. And I liked, I, I'm hoping that this movie will continue to make a new series of this on Hulu. Because this movie was actually really fucking good. And it may, and again, I cared about the characters. I liked the, the story about the lament configuration. And especially the third act. And also there's a house that they go to, which is very, very badass. I love the design. It reminds me of an old gothic horror house, you know, 
So with all that being said, I really recommend this movie. I would have it as my movie of the week, but unfortunately, another movie about a killer clown, if you will, a killer being, is out. Is uh, came out this week, and that will be the final movie that will be talked about this week, and of course, the movie of the week. I'm gonna try to keep movie reviews to one per week, but sometimes, but these weeks have been so busy. So, with that all being said, I will see all of you. In a bit. We are finally here with the final movie to talk about and the movie of the week. And that movie is Terrifier 2. I have been waiting for this movie for a very long time, ever since seeing Terrifier back in 2018. And also uh, seeing him, Art the Clown, and of course All Hallows Eve, which was his first appearance. Now, this movie was directed by da- and written by Damien Leone. He also edited the movie. The uh, stars, David Howard Thornton as Art the Clown, Laura Lavera, Griffin Santapietro, Elliot Fullman, Felicia Rose, and Chris Jericho. Funny enough. Resurrected by a sinister entity, Art the Clown returns to Miles County to terrorize a teenage girl and her younger brother on Halloween night. I love this film. This film was a fucking bloodbath. It upped the ante in in terms of kills and the graphic nature of these kills. I I would go into certain detail with certain kills, but I I want you to go see it for yourself. Now, this is a movie that is really not for everybody due to the graphic nature. I went to go see this. I had the pleasure of seeing this in theaters. I was so happy that I was able to see it in a theater. Didn't see the first one in theaters. Saw this one in theaters. And it was a good amount of people. Surprisingly, a lot more women than I anticipated seeing this movie. But uh, women love Art the Clown, David Howard Thornton. And you could hear, like... People wince. I think I was the one, me and this other chip were probably the only two that were kind of chuckling in certain scenes when Art was acting like a fool after killing somebody, right? So, you know, that was, so we were the only two fucked up individuals in that theater. Nonetheless, Art the Clown after Terrifier 2 is a, is a uh, certified horror icon and slasher icon. David Howard Thornton is once again, phenomenal. This is like the best of, of Art of Clown in this movie. But I also got to give props to, uh, to me, the, the two standouts, not Art the Clown, Elliot Fulham, or Fulham uh, as Jonathan, and of course, Laura Laverna, or Lauren Laverna, as Sienna. She was a highlight of this movie. She was excellent in this movie. Now, again, this movie does not have the greatest acting in the world and all that. I'm very curious also to see how the Blu-ray looks because this movie was, it was just made for these grindhouse cinemas, you know. Not saying that the theater I went to was a grindhouse, it was a Santigos, but nonetheless. Uh, But the kills were upped. I guess my only, one of my only criticisms is that there was a lot of promise about the origins of Art the Clown, which part of me does not want, but nonetheless... There was really nothing we learned from him. 
This movie also picks up right after the events, uh, right after the ending of Terrifier 1. So we got to see what happened to the, uh, basically the coroner at the end of the first movie. But uh, we didn't get really any or origin or backstory to art. We had some, some, uh, what do you call it? Some plot details regarding uh, Sienna and Jonathan's father, which I was not, to me, didn't fit in there. There's also a post credit scene that's really fucked up, but uh, you'll once you uh, see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, Chris Jericho had a pretty, not a lengthy role, but he had a he had a small role. He was good. Felicia Rose had a fucking blink and you'll miss it role. That, that's probably another critique that she was not in there that that much. Um, the kills were upped. The music, I love the '80s synth that was used. The '80s synth in this movie, it was it was really well done. The score was actually really, really fun, actually. Uh, the characters, I cared more about the characters overall than I did. The mom of Sienna and Jonathan was also really good. But uh, the the overall, like, the uh, kills were great. The characters I cared about more. I'd say another critique, but it's not a critique with me, was the runtime. It's about two, almost two and a half hours. Uh, it didn't bother me like it may bother others, but I want to advise that there is a two and a half hour time period of this or timeline of this. To me, it flew right by. I didn't feel like time was, you know, it was dragging in certain places or whatnot. Uh, but I really and, and the movie looked more high budget than it than it was. Now, uh, on Thursday night, the movie did make about 400000 so I'm very happy about that. I'm very happy that people are going out. And again, the theater was decently filled when seeing this movie. I tell you, it was more filled than bros. I tell you what. <laughs> oh, sorry, I had to go back to that Billy Eichner comment. But, um, but yeah, art is a certified horror icon. The kills were up to notch and more graphic than the last, so I'd say if you were offended by the kills in the first movie, I wouldn't recommend it if you didn't like the kills in the first Terrifier movie, because these are far worse, especially one. Uh, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, really, two. Uh, and also for you ladies out there who may have been offended about the scene from Terrifier 1 with the woman being hung upside down, there's a kill for us guys in that department. Again, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. But again, I recommend this for diehard slashers. I recommend this for slasher fans. I recommend this for diehard horror fans. Uh, Adam Green, who of course made the um, uh, Hatchet movies. I used to think those were some of the bloodiest slashers I ever seen. Oh, Terrifier is the new king of that. I tell you what. But um, definitely go out, go out and see this movie if you can. Uh, it is a limited release, from what I understand. And of course, um, I I. I know at the theater near where I live, I know that one is only going to be playing, like, basically today, Saturday, is going to be the last day it will be playing, so. But we'll be talking about more about Terrifier 2 in the box office report next week. Uh, but with all that, I want to thank everybody for listening in to the newest, the, this episode of the House of Chain podcast. Uh, we have a big week next week. We've got the... Uh, we got the Halloween franchise. I'm, I'm just, I'm sighing because it's a lot of movies I'm going to be covering. And we'll be discussing that next weekend, including our review of Halloween Ends and the new and final, for right now, Halloween movie ranking, franchise ranking. we also be talking about the box office report, seeing what if Amsterdam or uh, La La Crocodile or whatnot 
again, I saw more people see Blah Blah Crocodile than Amsterdam this weekend, but I will be seeing it this Sunday, so I will be talking about it next week. I will also get my thoughts on episode two of Chucky, plus much, much more, and the physical media report and all that good stuff next week. So with that, thank you all for listening. Make sure you follow me on TikTok at the House of Chayton. Instagram on the House of Chayton or at the House of Chayton. You will have to be approved to for my Instagram. My TikTok is public, so you can go and follow me right now. And with all that being said, guys, thank you all for listening. And thank you all for continuing your support as we continue on the best month of the year and the spookiest month of the year, October. So with that, stay groovy, stay safe out there. And remember, at the House of Chayton, the house always wins. Take care, everybody.